Yes, sir, people, the time of the evening where you join us on the segment uh, Driving with Anwar Kasim. Anwar Kasim, a world-renowned mechanic and he's an uh, economist. He has his honors, his masters, he has his degrees and what and what. I mean, this man is uh, something, he's an, a phenomena and it's great to have him on the platforms of Marka Sahaba, the voice of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Anwar Kasim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, Brother Shafat, a little cold, a little chilly in the air, but alhamdulillah, very, very well. Alhamdulillah, great to have you, Anwar. As you said, there's a chill in the air, and it's uh, you can feel it, but alhamdulillah, it's quite bearable. Looking at your topics that are coming in, and you know, you have some brilliant topics here. 30 best-selling cars and subs in this uh, in our Junubi Africa. What are they, Anwar? Alhamdulillah, you know, when it comes to the car market, I think, you know, from the time of COVID, we had a fluctuations on sales, especially for uh, passenger vehicles, I would say, because a lot of people actually swapped over to commercial vehicles because people felt the need to actually have a supplementary income. So everyone you speak to nowadays, somehow the preference will be a bucky, you know, as much as it's likable to have a car, but because it serves more than one purpose. So Alhamdulillah, there was an increase in sales from last year, May to this year, at 10.1%, which is a considerable uh, increase in vehicle sales. But also, with that being said, vehicle sales alone, when it comes to passenger vehicles, they only had sales of 0.1%. And actually, what pushed up the market at 10.1% is the commercial uh, market. You know, it comes to the LEVs, the SUVs. So, alhamdulillah, you know, because of that, it helped the car market considerably. So, when you're looking at vehicles, you know, we'd expect, you know, uh, Toyota being a Japanese, being in-house, you know, manufactured right here at our doorstep to take number one position of all times. But obviously, they're number one car dealers in the world. But when it came to uh, this year, when uh, they actually the Polo Vivo actually took the first place, or uh, the sales I think was just over 1,800. Second and third one was the Toyota Cross that was one six, and the Starlet I think came in at 1,218. Uh, Suzuki did exceptionally well. You know, uh, last year, as I mentioned, the Shafata was given a courtesy car by the insurance company and had this most beautiful Suzuki. I wasn't keen on Suzuki, but, you know, after driving me for a month, alhamdulillah, you know, I really took to me, it grew on me so much so that I actually told my son, you know what, we need to look for one, because when it comes to the handy, the ride and everything, when it comes to the fuel economy, most of all, it was actually superb. It was, to fill up the tank was 750, and then you could run the whole week. So it was a very, very, alhamdulillah, beautiful vehicle. So that took the fourth place. And uh, then we have the commercial vehicle. We have the Fortuner that actually came in at first. So alhamdulillah, you know, um, one needs to consider also when it comes to passenger vehicles. A lot of people are also opting you know, for secondhand vehicles because people are also downscaling at the same time. I mean, we all do understand that a vehicle is only brand new, but the moment it drives off from the showroom, it becomes secondhand. And people are beginning to fathom that idea. So they're actually, you know, saving a considerable amount of money by buying demo vehicles, secondhand vehicles, still under motor plan, still under warranty. So we have a shift in that side of the market, alhamdulillah. It just goes to show, you know, because of inflation and because of the downward spiral of the economy in South Africa, we are going through some very struggling and, you know, striving times. So once again, you know, market is doing relatively well, you know, so it's going to boost our economy very, very little with that small peak. 
Yes, Anwar, you know, it's amazing. Uh, people, the priority, the first thing will be, okay, I want to buy a house, uh, but the, the car, you know, it's such an important thing. I mean, you know, when we uh, uh, pass our metric and the first thing we want to do is get our license or get our kids, get them their license. And, uh, you know, peer, parents will really prior, uh, prioritize all things like that. And, you know, the uh, of even buying the car, uh, parents sometimes sacrifice a lot and go and buy kids uh, new cars. And what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I'm I'm one of those parents. I would say, I, I suppose you know, there's two uh, two ways to look at it, Brother Shafar. The one is, I think, when we were growing up, we weren't given the luxuries. A lot has changed over the years. Kids become dependent on parents, and I'll say that vaguely because I'll tell you, you know, anything your kids want, they run up to the mother and father and ask, and it's, it's there. You know, I suppose we try to keep up with the Western world. We try to keep up with times, as I would say. But way back in time, we had to fend for our own. You know, we got our own vehicles. And that is how I became a mechanic, because I had to repair my own vehicle. It took weeks sometimes to accumulate some sort of money to buy pistons, to buy certain items for the engine. You know, Alhamdulillah, it, it gave me a learning curve. So it actually grew me into who I am today. So I don't have any regrets. But Alhamdulillah, you know, I, I suppose every family uh, thinks a little differently. You know, uh, if you buy one kid a car, you've got to buy the rest of the children a car. And likewise, when it comes to education, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just us or maybe just the Western uh, influence that, uh, you know, has bestowed upon us. I'm not really sure. But the the fact of the matter is if you if you want had to consider, like I, I have a few vehicles and the vehicles are by actually appreciating value. Like a good example, I got a Wrangler Jeep. So Alhamdulillah, you know, considering with the price I paid, the price I'm being offered, yet it's not for sale, it's much higher than what I paid. So if you're looking at um, a vehicle, I would actually consider if you're buying a kid a vehicle, look at safety first. And the second will be the appreciation or depreciation of that said vehicle. Because obviously, you know, knowing that your house is first on the list when it comes to investments, and your, your, your car is obviously the second most uh, prized asset you might have. So when it comes to that, try to make a good judgmental call, you know, so at least it will benefit you down the line. Like with my kids, first thing I told them, I said, you'll sell your vehicle, you put in the few rents after you'll uh, 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 graduate, whatever it is, you'll find some place, a job, and alhamdulillah, you know, you can go on in life. So we weren't really given much of those opportunities, and it wasn't asked for then at the same time when we were growing up. So suppose, you know, our kids need a little push also from time to time. You know, Anwar, whilst you're talking and I'm thinking about yesteryear, you know, uh, the extended family. And, you know, you'll notice that not everyone had a car. It was like just one car that served for maybe 20, 30 people. Or they had this big uh, Pontiac or there's maybe a big Paracene or a Buick or an Impala. And maybe 20 people dived into the car and the cops did nothing about it. But this is, uh, you know, that was like the pride and joy of uh, the families of yesteryear. And then if they're, you know, the picnic at those years was such an important thing that in the neighborhood, one truck, uh, I mean, the whole neighborhood used to jump into the truck with the, you know, uh, with the pots and with everything, with the blankets and what and what you can say. And they all went off to the beach and what. Those were really like wholesome times, but people were not like uh, conscious, hey, what will the others say? And what are your thoughts? You know, you're talking about yesteryear. I remember all the families getting together, coming to Springer Beach, spending the night over, and there was so much buzz in the kitchen because everyone's preparing for the following day picnic. And this is when we were light, is when we were small. 
And, and there was so much of fun and excitement because you're playing with all your first cousins, you're running, you you know, it, it was so much of not good nonsense, I would say. Then you go and spend the day at the beach, you don't care whether you get sunburned, you don't care about anything, you, you feel safe first and foremost, you know, and then you had a togetherness. And the irony is just the other day, I'm telling uh, a, a first cousin of mine I met after a year or so, I'm just telling us, you know, those are the years we always ponder about it because those are the best years of our lives. Our kids don't really know who's their first cousins most of the time because, you know, our world and our lives has become so occupied with our daily activities that we don't even take the time, you know, to actually remember or to even, you know, visit or even call a person. So, you know, a lot has changed from then. And I suppose more than that, I, I really think, you know, talking about cars, I think we all have attached a certain amount of arrogance and pride to ourselves because it seems to be so important because it seems to be so judgmental as to what you drive. You you put into a parking lot, irrespective of how you drive, and you're driving in a Mercedes, people automatically, psychologically respect you. And you can you wear a suit and you pull in with a, a vehicle that's falling apart. People once again look down upon you. So I think we ourselves have gained that certain amount of arrogance and pride that has taken away yesteryears. And I think somehow we have instilled the values, I wouldn't say deliberately, but somehow a lot of us have done it because when we go to malls, we notice the spoiled brats and we notice the decent kids. And the funniest part is, I think everything becomes branded nowadays. It's what you wear. It's how you, you, you behave in public. Everything about you, the what you wear, the car, you, the vehicle you drive, the house you live in, the area you live in. So we have become very conscious of material items in this world. And I suppose that is the reason we killed off yesteryear. Mm, good point there indeed, Anwar. And, you know, I think uh, those uh, years will not come, you know, again. But as, uh, you know, kids are ushered into a world of uh, meretricious uh, beauty. Well, Anwar, moving on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a very, very funny caption. And it's uh, like, you know, the what's really happening and what's trending in society today. The 2023 South African Car of the Year is technically not a car. <laughs> Talk to us, Anwar. Most definitely. That caption also captured me because I had to make sure I read it because it didn't really make good sense, you know. So all said and done, it happens to be after 37 years, 27 judges actually sat on a panel and decided to choose the Ford Ranger as a number one car of the year. But they should have actually renamed it as Vehicle of the Year. But Alhamdulillah, you know, after 37 years, I think it was long awaited. And some of the, uh, the things they actually looked at the screen for was innovation and the excellence, the quality, you know, all that there. And when they considered all these factors, they rated the Ford Ranger as the number one car of the year. So Alhamdulillah, I think it is well, you know, uh, position, I would say, because considering the, uh, considering the sales of this vehicle itself, with all the good motor plans, with all the buying plans, you know, the buybacks that they have, the interest rates being quite low, consider, uh, considering other companies also. So, Alhamdulillah, you know, they did exceptionally well. And if you look at the second place also, I think that was a slap in the face for many of these passenger vehicle, you know, uh, manufacturers because the Ford Ephesus became uh, got the second position. So first and second was in the Ford list. And the third happens to be S-Class Mercedes-Benz. So Alhamdulillah, you know, um, it did exceptionally well. And then obviously when they actually went further down, if you look at the mid-size of the Kia Sportage, the premium also took uh, the Kia range, which was the Kia Sorento, I think it was. And uh, 
Really, one has to consider, as we mentioned in the first topic, you know, a lot of people are going in for double cabs, SUVs, safety is priority, uh, it has a dual purpose, obviously. So, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, some of them actually go off-roading. And talking about off-roading, I think one of ten of the 4 by 4s actually taken off-road because most of them, 9 or 10, is never seen dirt road as such, you know, to go off-roading. So, a lot of people realize that in South Africa, we're not so big on that. So, buying an SUV is something worthwhile, although the spares are a little expensive considering it's a four-wheel driver, you know. So, when one has to consider I think that is the market uh, Ford actually aimed for by 2x4 and 4x4s when they entered South Africa. And, you know, year by year, alhamdulillah, they have grown at such a steady space that the world has actually acknowledged uh, the Ford Ranger at the moment. Yes, you know, uh, you're talking about the Ford Ranger, and as you said, it's not really a car, it's not a this and that, and but, uh, you know, when you talk about it, it's so popular, I mean, lots of our friends have it, uh, but why is it so popular, you know, we know the Toyota Hilux and the Land Cruiser and all, they are all legendary cars, but would you say that the Ford Ranger is fast becoming a legend on what? You know, uh, one thing about the Ford market, remember, they, they had to compete against other vehicles, and the competitors were people like Toyota, because they, if you look at the Toyota Hilux and you consider the Ford Ranger, there is a couple hundred thousand in differences, you know, depending on what features you actually expect from both of them. And then you look at the market itself, a lot of people are skeptical to buy, you know, those import SUVs. The value is exceptionally heavy on fuel. A lot of people are complaining about it. So they are still entering the market. They're doing relatively well, I would say, because I, I think it's all to do with the, the way they tailor the uh, the installments, your, your finance package, I would say. Because Ford was one of the first ones to actually initiate a a good financial package that suited people with zero deposit. And people used to save for years to get a deposit on a car and pay the after for the next five or six years. So, you know, Ford actually, I think, introduced it into the market and all the other dealerships actually followed. And being that, you know, I think they set the benchmark relatively high for the other dealers. And once you drive a said vehicle, obviously your second vehicle will most probably be the, exactly the same product. You know, so I think Ford has done relatively well when it comes to the way they have actually marketed the vehicles. Yeah, good point indeed. As you said, the bait being 0% deposit and you can go, oh, you can pay next year this time and so forth. And people fall for that. But uh, eventually you have to pay for it. And uh, that's how it goes. Now, Anwar, you and I are very, very you know, pet-friendly uh, human beings. And uh, I think this topic, uh, you like it too. It says uh, tips uh, to find your perfect pet-friendly car. Hey, I'm all ears, Anwar. Woof, woof. Okay, fair enough. You know, when it comes to my pets, you know, I, I try to take personally, I know I was a little astray from the topic. I try to take my dog once to the uh, to the vet, you know, and I, I put him in the Jeep and he wants to rip the old seats apart, you know. So obviously we, we get to take him for walks quite frequently. But Alhamdulillah, you know, all said and done, depending on what pet and what animal we are talking about, I, I know the rabbits used to actually, you know, my, my kids used to carry them and take them in the malls, be it wherever we went, you know. So uh, being pet people, you know, a lot of our pets, ventured and drove with us. I have pictures of my kittens on my dashboard while I was driving and Alhamdulillah, you know, so 
when one has to consider a vehicle, especially when we say pet, we use it quite broadly, and we're most probably considering a dog, I, I would say, because most of the other pets, like our hedgehog, our, uh, I remember having hamsters, our rabbits, our kittens, they actually relatively quiet, you know, they don't make much of a nonsense or nuisance in a vehicle. But when it comes to dogs, yes, we do have a certain amount of, uh, I'll say, misbehavior. Because you find that they tend to be all over the vehicle. they got very curious minds. They try to pull and lurch into things, you know. And I suppose just the wind blowing into their mane itself makes a world of difference for them. So, alhamdulillah, you know, when it comes to the safety, and that actually frustrates me a bit further, Shepard, because I think we've all seen, you know, dead animals on the freeways, especially dogs, you know, and that frustrates me because they have no business to be on the freeway, which means some fool out there most probably, you know, let the dogs alone in the open back or let the dog sit in the back seat with the window full open and something most probably triggered that dog to jump off the window. And I mean, that's the only reason on a freeway you'll find most of these pets and that disappoints me. But when it comes obviously to buying a said vehicle, and I don't know, maybe some of us have that extra money to actually invest in a vehicle, especially for our dog or whatever it be. But one needs to look at the safety aspect, you know, when it comes to the vehicle and make sure that you have enough room. You know, we don't want our dog or our animal in a confined tight space. Safety is always first and priority. You know, you, you I didn't even realize this until uh, not very long ago. I was going through an article, and you get a special harness as a seat belt for your dog. You know, alhamdulillah. So a lot of innovation has been taking place. And make sure your window is slightly open, not too much open, not to create, you know, your, get, let your dog get any big ideas. So alhamdulillah. And also, I think what is very, very crucial, those who's carrying dogs should actually consider a vehicle that is easily washed, you know, because you tend to find a lot of dogs hair or cats hair, and it becomes a bit of a nuisance and a trouble to actually clean. So when it comes to all these factors, I think... When it comes to pets, I would easily say, you know, your love is beyond anything else and before everything else. And money really shouldn't be playing such a drastic role, especially for the love of animals. So I think those who love pets out there, I think whatever decision they make, you know, I think it will be the right decision. Anwar? Yeah, I'm here, Brother Shafar. Oh, right. uh, sorry, uh, we just had some gremlins uh, that came through, but I said, hey, maybe a dog jumped out of the window and so forth. But Anwar, you know, generally you find that these people, they have this open bucky and they're driving the, uh, the dog down to the beach and so forth. And uh, then, uh, you know, showing scant respect for, you know, bathers that are there or fishermen. Uh, what are the bylaws on, on, on that? Any ideas, Anwar? You know, they say very clearly, you've got to keep your dog on a leash. It has to be a certain metrage also. But you find a lot of times, you know, the only time you find that I think a leash dog, um, every time you enter the beachfront or some public area where there is policemen visible, you will notice that people actually 
uh, uh, respect the law. But when it comes to secluded places like places like Spingo Beach and certain other areas where the visibility of the police and forces are not really there, you find that people tend to take advantage of the situation because realistically looking, you know, a dog at the back of a van with no leash, you know, you do get some well-behaved, well-nurtured dogs. I, I wouldn't dispute that, but we don't know what triggers them really. You know, so I, I will never do that. I, I would never consider if my dog is in the back of an open vehicle, I would be with that dog. I wouldn't let him lie alone. And neither would I ever let my dog stray by itself without a leash, you know, without a solid leash. I know with, I got a, a, a dog that's a cross between a pit and a bull terrier. Hamza is not a fierce dog. He's the most loving dog you could ever find. You know, he's full white and he has a slight black spot. And just the sight of him, people are afraid. But he just loves people. He loves kids. He, he smothers you the moment he sees you, even, even if he doesn't know you. You know, the fear will be in your eyes, but he, the joy will be in his. So, alhamdulillah, I, I, something's wrong with my dog mentally, I think, because he's supposed to have a breed of a very vicious dog. But alhamdulillah, he's a very playful dog. You know, mm. so we, when we take him for a walk, I had to buy quite a few leashes. The only problem I have with him is the other dogs that sees him, they have an issue and they, try, they don't try to advance towards him. He is the one that advances towards him, but never, I've never had a problem towards people itself, you know. He, so, Alhamdulillah, when it comes to that, I, I think we have a problem from dog to dog, not from dog to people. So, in that aspect, I think I'm quite safe, but I don't think everyone can actually say the same for their dogs, you know. I suppose then, once again, love actually plays how you nurture your dog, exactly how you bring your dog up, and exactly what you expect of your dog. In other words, you need to know your dog as well as you know your gun, as well as you know your car. You know, that is how well, in order for you to take in the public uh, space, and, uh, you know, I'm not really sure whether you know, you might be endangering people, but is it worth the risk? You know, so there's a lot to consider when it comes to that. I'm making a lot of sense. And, you know, I remember reading a story recently that in yesteryear, someone wrote a book on dogs. It was a, a scholar. And, you know, he says in, in, in that time, I'm talking about 1,000 years ago, if uh, the dog defecated on the pavement of, uh, you know, the neighbor's uh, property, guess whose uh, job it was to clean that mess up, Anwar? I, I would the, say the owner. Yes, absolutely. He had to go and get that spade and clean it up. You know, you're talking about doggy bags. I mean, that was a thousand years ago, and that was an Islamic trait. When you got your animal and if he's doing this and that, these are the repercussions. So, alhamdulillah, and uh, full marks to you for, you know, keeping your dog, uh, you know, on the leash and, uh, you know, representing you uh, powerfully. Let's talk about the Volvo's electrifying C40 recharge uh, bolts uh, into South Africa. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. one of your favorite cars, uh, the uh, Volvo, but they electrifying now, Anwar. No, beautiful car. One of the best cars, given the choice. Although I love Mercedes. You know, considering that Mercedes has dropped their manufacturing plants globally from 34, I think, to only 14, I would say 33 to 14. That is how, you know, sparks red in my head. But anyway, all said and done, a Swedish car, the most beautiful Swedish car, safety every single year, you know, they take the award for the best car of the year when it comes to safety. You know, so Alhamdulillah, very, very beautiful. And now that they've got it actually in full electric vehicles, two motors, both axles, Alhamdulillah, they, they have a charging capacity of 40, uh, 444 kilometer range. Obviously, you've got to drive it as a human, as a human. I, I mean, like, you drive very, very carefully, you know. And uh, the car is actually quite 
price, but considering the market value of vehicles nowadays, 1.28 million, if I if I remember correctly, and uh, zero to 100 in 4.7 seconds, which is quite uh, a good uh, amount, you know. But Alhamdulillah, you know, when it comes to this vehicle, the the design of it, it has full time day, uh, daytime uh, LED running lights. It's got a, I think it is. Uh, uh, it has no grill. It has a 99-inch touchscreen. It has all the creature comforts one would expect from a luxury vehicle. So this vehicle also is entering a beautiful market, knowing that Mercedes, Audi, Toyota, so many other people are actually venturing into it. And now we actually have this uh, uh, C40 that is actually uh, built on the base of a C40 recharge. So, Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, Volvo itself is a brand, I would say. It has really proved itself over the time. But unfortunately, in South Africa, I think the aftermarket service wasn't all that grand. So we found that sales wasn't as explicit or as high as we would expect it to be. You know, but, you know, if they really did market this uh, vehicle years ago, we all know Volvo is a household uh, word. But if they really marked and, you know, grew on all the uh, stores, I would say, you know, they would have did exceptionally well. And they would have been a direct competition towards BMW and Mercedes. But alhamdulillah, nevertheless, you know, now that we've got a fully charged car that's entering our shores, I think it's something to look forward to. No, absolutely, Alwar. As I look at the time, uh, we are about, uh, you know, running out of time. But uh, you have to do the last topic with you because, as I said, uh, as an economist and as a lecturer there, uh, you'll be doing justice to this. And uh, three ways you can turn your financial stress into success. Maybe you can, uh, in a nutshell, I know you can condense that. And tell us, Anwar, how can you uh, turn your financial stress into success, Anwar? You know, I would say the first and foremost thing, this is what we learned from primary school and right through the latter parts, right through our tertiary education, saving, you know, but I'm going to use that very, very boldly because really speaking in the inflation, you know, the cost of living has gone so high with the inflation rate being so high in South Africa itself, you know, we find that we even have a problem to survive day to day. And general, I'm basically generalizing on this. And the fact is those who can save, save, you know, uh, put away for a rainy day. You know, we all grew up with a thought, you know, inverted commas, rainy day. You know, we don't know what form of emergency might arise. Also, at the same time, if you're actually trying to buy a house as a down payment, I tell everyone, I says, you know, uh, everyone wants, who's renting wants to buy a house, I says, do me a favor, save for the next two years. Let's see what deposit you can come up with. Because instead of taking a 100% bond, the, the banks will only con you into this year because for the next 20, 30 years, you you are bounded by this year. And obviously, you're going to pay back over about 120 or 150% more than the value of the property. You know, So likewise, I always uh, emphasize, you know, saving is the first and foremost on the one's agenda. When it comes to uh, debt, you know, try to stay away from debt. Debt, I think, is what actually put the whole world globally in a rut itself, uh, you know, because of the high interest rate. And that is how the world runs. It's not by the commodities that we sell. It's by the debt that we incur. So try to stay clear of that. If a person needs to understand the meaning of wants and needs, you know, need is what is necessary as such. You know, wants is, you know, I saw a nice, beautiful outfit and I like it, you know, that's one. So people need to differentiate between the two and try at this present moment to only go for needs. And a good example of that is going through your bank statements and just take off with a pen or pencil and say wants and needs. You know, I'm not talking about the that actually goes on. And 
from there analyze exactly your spending. You know, because all of us got this idea of tapping and paying with card now. There isn't a bank statement is a beautiful way to actually start that day. You know, so Alhamdulillah, I would say, when it comes to the last bit of it, I would say investing. Now, if a person has surplus money, I'm not talking about offshore investments where we got hooplang money and we're trying to hide the tax man because somehow 10 years down the line, the tax man can bleed us out. But I am talking about buying block uh, bonds, basically buying shares, stocks, cash instruments, you know, anything that will grow after a period of time. And as we mentioned in previous shows, if you have excess amount, you know, if you're looking at luxury sports vehicles, it's uh, something that appreciates in value. So try to invest in those type of things. Really speaking, uh, that there was a notion that you buy into property right now, and you know it goes up. But right now in South Africa, with the laws that is happening, the bond rate being going up by 20, uh, 50 basis points, I think it was. You know, it, it's something that's exorbitant, something that we really cannot afford. Your rental income doesn't suffice, and it doesn't pay off the bond. So you're going to have a problem with type, those type of investments. You know, so be very, very guarded and be careful. I think first and foremost. Be careful of Ponzi schemes. There is no such thing as get rich. That we thought were taught in primary school where we'll buy an item, we'll sell it, and we'll make millions of rands. That was a primary school thought. Over the years, I, I think we have matured and we realize that there is no such thing as get, get rich quick. So just be guarded, be careful, guard what you have, because at the end of the day, your nest egg might actually uh, dissipate very, very quickly if you are not guarding it. Anwar, Jazakallah Khaira for your expertise this evening. As usual, really enjoy your input on Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Unfortunately, the Azan time has come up. You have a blessed evening ahead, Anwar. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir, people. Time for us to go for the Isha Azan, and inshallah, we will continue after that.